0: Graves is kind of a weird case. He he comes with the reputation of a defenseman who's more comfortable or certainly looks more comfortable on offense and who will occasionally get a little bit lost defensively. But that's not how he was utilized in Newark and it's not apparently going to be how he's utilized in Pittsburgh. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning, I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. Graves hooked up with the Pittsburgh media yesterday for the first time since signing his contract out of free agency. And he came across pretty impressively. Kind of the way you would expect from a Bright young Nova Scotia lad. And what I found most interesting by far actually was when he explained what the expectations are of him from Mike Sullivan and the coaching staff as it relates to how much he'll contribute defensively. Yeah, I think that's kind of where I will slot in whether, I mean, there'll there'll be a trial and error period for sure of who you gel with. And um, I mean, throughout the season, you kind of end up playing with everybody on most teams with injuries and uh, just the way the season goes and and individual games and things like that. But um, I am definitely more of a defensive mindset. I try to play a two-way game, but the emphasis on my game is definitely defensively and um, the penalty kill and, and just playing against top line. So um, I, I do gel usually well with a player that is good offensively. So I, I think that's what I expect going in. Let me try to put some numbers behind some of this because I'm sure it already comes across as confusing, especially if you're only trying now to get caught up on Graves' body of work and how he might fit in Pittsburgh. His numbers last year for a terrific and, to an extent, surprising New Jersey team were as follows. 78 games played, 8 goals, 18 assists, both of which are pretty decent numbers, unto themselves, a plus 34 rating, and for those of you who have taken to dumping on plus-minus at every opportunity, know that even the advanced analytics people will hear an argument about plus-minus when it's put forth over the course of a whole season, as opposed to just, you know, a guy went minus three in a single game. Plus-34 is really good. It's that much better when you consider that the Devils utilized him and our old friend, John Marino as their shutdown pairing. That was the challenge that Graves and Marina would face most nights, as much as such a thing happens in the modern NHL. You don't see a lot of that anymore. You don't see a lot of, we've got to get our two best guys out there against the other team's top line. Most of the matchups happen at the forward level. But if you have the opportunity, certainly on home ice, to try to navigate that, and the Devils did that, And Graves still ended up with a plus 34. That's some pretty good two-way hockey in there. So you heard Graves say, and this also I thought was pretty confident on his part to be talking about where he might be in the lineup, even if he's been told that by Sullivan. It sure sounds like he has. But you heard him say that he's looking to be the replacement for Brian Dumoulin. And he said it respectfully. He said, you know, the guy who can be defense first and contribute offensively when needed, although that would be a generous assessment on both counts for where Dumoulin was the past couple of years. If that's the case, if that's how this, in fact, plays out, and if there are no other significant moves on the back end, in parentheses, read Eric Carlson, end parentheses, then you're looking at a top four. Of Chris Letang and Marcus Pedersen, and the second unit being Jeff Petrie and Graves. If you're relying on your third pairing to win you games, you're going to be in trouble in the NHL. There aren't a lot of teams that go that deep. The Penguins probably aren't an exception in that regard either, if you consider the full pool of the guys that are down there. So you're really talking about a top four. And in turn, you're really talking about Graves being an important part of this, not just now, but into the future when you consider the age of Letang, the age of Petrie, and heck, even if you get Carlson over here, the age of Carlson. This was a very big signing for the franchise, even if it might have gotten lost in the massive shuffle that seemed to follow almost immediately upon Kyle Dubas's hiring which is to say they can't miss with this kid. Not that he can't miss. They can't afford to miss with this signing. And because of that, more than anything out of this conversation yesterday, what I liked the most was that no matter what you think of Graves' play in New Jersey, no matter what I think of it, heck, no matter what the Penguins think of it, what matters is that this kid himself said he sees himself as a defense first guy. If you have that as a foundation and you mean it, and it's your anchor, meaning philosophically of how you operate, everything goes from the back end out, back end out. You've got a better chance of blossoming into a good quality veteran defenseman who can contribute at both ends while providing very real stability in the back which always comes with value even as a player works his way into his 30s graves is 28 he can still offer the penguins some of that youth that they need at all positions but he can also grow into something that's even a little bit better i like it and i like it a lot when we come back j1q this segment of Daily Shots brought to you by Family Table. Mom inspired, chef prepared meals delivered straight to your door. No prep, no mess, just reheat. That gives you more time for your family or hobbies. Go to FamilyTablePGH.com. Use the code DK40, that's DK40, for 40% off and free delivery on your first order. Order by noon Thursday for Monday delivery. Family Table, bringing families back to the dinner table. Today's J1Q comes from Daniel, who says, Hey DK, I love listening to you after long days of work. I appreciate that, Daniel. Even if it does come at the end of the day, these are really timed for the first thing in the morning. I always get worried that they're like outdated by about noon on some occasions. Question for you, says Daniel. The power play results have not been what most have expected recently. Should Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin be split between power plays one and two and have the units split more of the power play time? I assume you mean they're just more evenly, like a minute each. Jeff Petrie having more power play time might help, while still sticking with the one defenseman look with him and Latang splitting time as well. Daniel, I have a really general, broad way to answer this question, and it won't be very helpful, but I'm going to blurt it out anyway, and that is everyone's got to get over worrying about everyone else's ego before anything else can be solved on either PP1 or PP2, because if your concern is, man, we can't make Gino mad, we can't make Tanger mad, can't make Sid mad by moving him... uh, Down lower and closer to the net where he's more effective as opposed to the half wall where he's not as effective. Not that he's bad. He's not bad anywhere He's Sid, But he's really something. He's a weapon for you down low. You have to get over the egos. Look how long it took Mike Sullivan to take Brian Rust off the first unit and put Ricard Raquel up there in the face of just overwhelming evidence that Raquel should have been the guy there. Now, again, I don't want to keep bringing up Eric Carlson as a possibility here because it sounds like some kind of cruel tease or whatever, but if Carlson comes in, then you're doing things very differently. Uh, Carlson can play anywhere on the power play, but you'd be borderline insane to not have him and no one else on your right point. And that's the way that I would start looking. At these settings, I wouldn't worry so much about splitting a minute evenly or anything. I would look at who you have on your roster, who you'd absolutely need to have on the power play, who you'd be nuts to not have on the power play, and try that first. I'm going to give you an example here. It's not going to be the player you're thinking of. It's nobody that I've mentioned even yet, and that's Petrie. If you're carrying Petrie on your roster and he's a $6 million player for you, not that you make these decisions by contract, but there's a reason that he got that money at one point in his life, and you're not using him on your power play, what are you doing? This is what this guy does. He gets the puck through. He finds a way to get it through traffic, through sticks, through legs, And to put people in front of the net in excellent positions to score exactly the kind of goals that the Penguins never score. One of the few people in hockey who's better at that than Petrie is Carlson. But you've already got Petrie on your team. Has everyone already forgotten? I know there's a clamor to get rid of Petrie, buy out his contract, whatever. Has everyone already forgotten that game that he had in Tampa later in the season? He almost single-handedly wrecked the Lightning that night, offensively and defensively, but especially offensively. Remember what happened to set that up? Right. Tanger got hurt early. Took a puck upstairs to the face. Tanger comes back into the game, Petrie falls right back into his regular old role, and guess what? He falls right back into being just another guy. This is the way you need to be thinking of these things. Who are the five players, regardless of position, regardless of role, regardless of personal preference, that we would want to have out there, we as a coaching staff? If you say, all right, well, listen, Gino, I mean, one of the top players of all time, how would you not have him out there? Well, Gino likes to be on the left point. Well, too bad for Gino. Okay. Gino also can do absolutely anything on the rink that you ask him to, including, I might add, being pretty decent around the net. And you know what I'm talking about. The fired up version of Gino. The Russian bear version, as Brooks Orpik used to call him. Whenever he'd get really angry, he was not the guy you wanted barging through the slot. Make those guys, make Sid and Gino change their games around a little bit. Can you imagine being the goaltender who's having to look through traffic to find Petrie and Latang, or Latang and Carlson, or however it is that it would break out, and then say, I've got... Two of the greatest forwards to ever play the game hanging out like here within five feet of me. This is the way you start this conversation. And then from there, try stuff. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We're going to do another one of these tomorrow.